On today's show, a Kings discussion more complex than fans may realize, and it has everything to do with Harrison Barnes, his role, his numbers, whether or not the Sacramento Kings should be looking to upgrade him, and what a realistic upgrade looks like. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee from New Orleans joins me to discuss everything HB right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And for such a straightforward player, Harrison Barnes is extremely well-liked in the league, extremely well-respected. He's amazing in the Sacramento community. He is an uh, awesome part of Sacramento's uh, locker room. He, what Harrison does is pretty straightforward. He's very fundamentally sound for all the, I guess, simplicities of Harrison Barnes, the player and Harrison Barnes, the person, the questions around him and his position for the Sacramento Kings going forward are immensely complex. And my discussion with Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee today is going to lay out some of those complexities. It's not just how Harrison fits with the Kings and, and, and the role, the very unique role that he has to play as the fifth option on a roster loaded with offensive weapons. It's if the Kings were looking to upgrade Harrison, if they're looking to trade him and find a player to fill that position, it's not just as easy as going out and saying, go get me a star, plug him into that spot. And the Sacramento Kings are suddenly better because the way the Kings play so heavily requires someone like Harrison to fill that floor spacing kind of role. Sure, Harrison could be better in his shot making. Sure, Harrison could be better with his rebounding. Sure, Harrison could be better as a defender. But there's only one basketball and so many shots to go around. And Harrison has accepted his spot in Sacramento's rotation. He's accepted his role as someone who is largely responsible for maintaining that spacing and sacrificing his offense, sacrificing his shot attempts and his opportunity to shine in order to open up opportunities for the rest of the team. Finding someone who's willing to fill that role and do that more effectively than Harrison does, that might be a more difficult uh, uh, task for Monty McNair in this Kings front office than we realize, but it might need to be done nonetheless if the Sacramento Kings truly want to contend for a championship. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee joins me from New Orleans to discuss this. Plus, uh, we, uh, we'll, we'll hear a little bit of his thoughts on last night's tough loss at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans right here on Locked on Kings. From New Orleans, Chris Biederman joins me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. And Chris, we're not going to do any more than a couple seconds discussion on last mm -hmm. night's game if we could call it a game it was a, a 
a, a landslide defeat for the Sacramento Kings. Third game in four nights, second night of a back-to-back. So we can already look past that and and and, and accept it for what it was. Really, we're more interested in in the injuries and, and the updates on, and status of, of guys like Keegan Murray and Chris Duarte and things like that after last night more than the final score. We're going to discuss a lot of Harrison Barnes today. But before we get into HB, you were there on the ground in New Orleans last night. You'll be there for uh, the rematch on Wednesday. The last time the Kings took on a team on the road in back-to-back games, it was getting obliterated twice in Houston. So hopefully they can learn from that. But really quickly, I guess, what were your takeaways, uh, if at all, of, of seeing in person what happened last night? Yeah, I think it, it was just a situation where, like you mentioned, it was the second night of a back-to-back, their first back-to-back of the season. Um, and they, you know, I think in once once it was clear Keegan Murray wasn't coming back in the game or even when he didn't even return from the locker room at halftime, there wasn't a whole lot of urgency. And the Kings didn't really seem too intent on putting a lot of energy into that game. They had just won six in a row. Um, they had a big win the night before in Dallas, who was coming off a back-to-back in their own right. Um, but for me now, you know, it's it's still early on in the season. The Kings have played 13 games. And, and last year, one of the one of the things, one of the key reasons why they had such a su- successful season was they had pretty good injury luck. All, all things, all things aside, I know Keegan Murray had a thumb issue. Um, Demonis Bonus obviously had a thumb issue. But for the most part, they didn't really have prolonged absences from any of their key players. And now 13 games into the season, you have De'Aaron Fox having missed five with the ankle. Uh, we don't know what Keegan Murray's status is with his lower back injury. You have Chris, Chris Duarte with a hand injury. Um, you had Kevin Herter miss, coming back from a one-game absence with a hand injury, f- hand slash finger injury. Um, and so, you know, the the Kings are now being tested in ways this year that they weren't last year. So uh, this year, to, in my mind, was always going to be more challenging than last year. I was I was very much in agreement with Mike Brown last year when he said going from bad to good is a lot easier than going from good to great. Um, and that's the cha- challenge the Kings are facing right now is going from good to great while now dealing with more adversity um, than they ever dealt with last year. So that to me is sort of what's sticking out. Like it's a, it's a six game road trip. Um, it's, it's a long one, obviously the, the Pelicans are, are a tough matchup in the sense that, um, they just have two guys in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram who are just really difficult matchups for them. And, and defensively, that's always, you know, the defense is always going to be the issue with the Kings until, um, and we'll talk about it, but until they really, I, I think they have to change personnel, frankly, to, to really improve drastically as a defensive team. I think they have a, they have a ceiling that. Um, maybe they hit in the playoffs last year when it came to the way they defend, right? But I just don't know that they're going to get a whole lot better defensively with their current personnel. Um, and I think that might have been on display when you go against somebody like Zion Williamson. And, and Zion is super unique, right? Like all of his points came in the restricted area, and a lot of it was just dribble drives and just, you know, like putting his head down and acting like a pass rusher on third down, right? Just getting right to the rim. Um, and the Kings were slow to double team and and they didn't make life particularly difficult on Zion. And part of that could have been the fact it was a back to back um, and, you know, the third game in four nights, like you mentioned. But no, the injuries, um, the defense, those things are, are you know, the, the Kings are going to score. And De'Aaron Fox is playing the best ball he's ever played, in my in my opinion. Um, and so that's going to be able to carry them to a certain extent. Demonis Sabonis is having a really nice season, too. Um, but now those guys are really going to have to step up, particularly if Keegan Murray has to miss any time with his back injury. 
I don't know if the podcaster's curse is a thing. I certainly hope not for what I'm about to say, but the injury bug is biting <laughs> Sacramento right now. And yet there's Harrison Barnes steady as ever man just does not get hurt. He played all 82 plus all seven of last season has shown no sli- uh, signs of slowing down here so far this season. He's just Mr. Consistent 40 is out there and, and he's going to work and he's going to stay healthy. And I give him a ton of credit for uh, how he's able to take care of himself and, and, and stay relatively uh, healthy throughout the course of his career. Uh, but but Chris, we got to really break down. And what I wanted to do with you is, is really break down HB's role with Sacramento, how his role could impact his numbers, what the ideal numbers should be for someone in HB's position. And then we're, we're going to also talk about if the Kings need to seriously consider upgrades at that position at the trade deadline Um depending upon what kind of expectations they have, I guess, for this postseason. But let's talk about HB first and foremost with with kind of the role that he plays. And and I'm recognizing that naturally he's being a lot more passive and has to be a lot more passive. There's only one ball to go around and so many other guys on this roster need the ball in their hands and, and are capable of putting up shots. You just look at the starting lineup. He's number five in the starting lineup. Absolutely. When Malik Monk comes into the game, he's behind Malik Monk. There's a, there's a handful of guys that just naturally Harrison is going to take the role of kind of standing in the corner or working his way on the wing just to keep spacing. And his job is essentially to keep his defender with him to open up as much room as possible uh, for the other guys to work in and around uh, the rim and and and, and in the, uh, the the paint in the high post. So naturally, because of that passive role that Barnes plays, he's not going to get as many opportunities to put up the numbers that maybe you would expect out of a starting caliber small forward. That being said, that doesn't make up for that. That's not an excuse to completely disappear like HB has at time in games. We'll talk about the dis- disappearing acts in a second, Chris, but, but with HB's role specifically, what do you think, or what would you say is like a ideal stat line? If you were just a no context, open up the box score on a nightly basis, knowing how the Kings play basketball, what do you want to see from Harrison Barnes? Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously want the rebounding to be there, and I think you want the scoring to be there more consistently. I think one thing that, that's interesting this season about the Kings is their use of Keegan Murray and and I think how it directly correlates with what Harrison Barnes is doing offensively, right? The Kings last year um, made things a little bit easier on Keegan by essentially asking him to be a spot-up shooter more so than a ball handler and somebody who's really participating in the dribble handoff game with Demonis Sabonis and the pick and rolls and all of that. Well, that's changed this year. They're, they're putting more on his plate, both offensively and defensively, but offensively, you know, Keegan is doing more dribble handoffs. He is doing more ball handling. He's, he's doing more decision-making and playmaking rather than standing on the perimeter and, and just being a perimeter shooter. And obviously he was really good at that. Um, but the Kings, Mike Brown and, and the coaching staff have recognized that they need Keegan Murray to you know take another leap um and become a more well-rounded offensive player for the team to to take that next step at the cost of that potentially is Harrison Barnes right he's he's sort of a guy he's steady he can you know he's he's not a great passer but he can pass he's not a great dribbler but he can dribble um he's not a great playmaker but he can playmake but he is not uh, he's sort of a jack of all trades, master of none right now, I would say. And and I think his value to the Kings is more intangible from the standpoint of, like you mentioned, his durability, his professionalism, his steadiness, um, the, the, the veteran presence that he provides an otherwise relatively young team. He's, 
you know, championship pedigree um, while, you know, on a team that hasn't had, you know, De'Aaron Fox and Demona Sabonis have, have now played in the playoffs, but they don't have like extended success when it comes to winning playoff series, right? So Harrison Barnes at least gives the Kings a semblance of those things. Um, but you're not really seeing the production from him. And maybe it's too early to make any gen like sweeping generalizations, right? Like I know we, we, we generally in the NBA, um, in the NBA media space, like to, you know, talk about, uh, react to early season woes and, and things like that. And, but you know, really like you talk to people in the league and they'll tell you, you don't really know what you have in anybody until you get to January, February, um, even, you know, Christmas. And, and so we're still, uh, some time away from that. We're a month away from that. So maybe Harrison Barnes production changes, but you know, at $18 million a year, you would think that you'd be able to get more than 11 points a game from, from a wing. And, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, wing is the most important position in the league. And, um, I don't know that Harrison Barnes is really a plus defender against, against wings and, you know, switchability is super important. I don't know that you would feel great about Harrison Barnes, um, guarding, you know, some of the game's better guards. I don't know that you would feel great about him guarding, um, some of the better power forwards, like, you know, Zion Williamson is a perfect example. He's, you know, he, <clears throat> he can be in the right spots and he's definitely physically strong, um, but he's, I don't know that he's a plus defender against anybody who's really a plus offensive player. Um, I think he's fine. And I think he can be where you need him to be. Um, but like we saw in the playoffs last year, I don't know that you, you would necessarily feel great about Harrison Barnes occupying a spot that is arguably the most important position in the league right now. So, um, you know, H Harrison Barnes, I think probably, you know, and this is no, this is not meant to, to be disrespectful to, to Barnes at all, but I think one of the most appealing things about that contract he signed in the offseason was the fact that it's, it's probably palatable in a trade, right? Like if you're a young team and you're offloading somebody and you want to bring back a veteran who can be a positive influence in your locker room, then, you know, spending, spending $18 million a year for Harrison Barnes is not, is not crazy. It's not like a terrible decision for a young team trying to improve its culture. Now, you know, I don't know if Toronto, for example, would have any interest in Harrison Barnes and paying him $18 million a year, or if they would rather just tear it all down, or if, you know, when we can talk about OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam um, as possible upgrades and, and what those deals might look like. But that that's the thing I think when I, you know, trying to forecast what the Kings are going to do, they have some tradable pieces. And I know Sham Sharani at the athletic said this week, he expects the Kings to be super active when it comes to the trade market this year and being in, being in, um, the market for some star players. But, you know, unless the Kings part from Keegan Murray, um, or even Demonis Sabonis, which I don't think they'd, they'd part from either of those guys. I don't really know what the Kings have that's that's super enticing unless they just trade all of their picks. You know, maybe, maybe, and maybe that's what it is. But if, you know, if you're a team tr trading with the Kings and you're giving them a Pascal Siakam or an OG Ananobi, you're probably expecting them to, to be really good and pick in the 20s. And how valuable are those Kings picks going to be, right? If, you, if you're a GM. Um, so that that's a question. But when it comes to Harrison Barnes, I mean, it's it's still early, uh, I think. And and there's there's going to be time for him to, to play a little bit better and be a little bit more consistent. 
But I think for me, like the consistency is, is the thing. Like he can't have single digit scoring games and and go weeks with without you know a, a twenty point game here and there. Like he's he's going to have plenty of opportunities to get open looks, given all the other options the Kings have offensively. Um, and and the Kings really need him to take advantage and not go into um, not go into those modes where he sort of disappears from time to time. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, they're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed fits on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked for us this week on uh, the eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Here are the five names for you. Bilal Kulavali, Skylar Mays, Jacob Gilliard, Kyle Lowry, and Keontae George. Now, I like Keontae George simply because we share a last name, but I want to talk about Skylar Mays a little bit. This is a player that came out of nowhere. The Kings have had a long history of allowing players that uh, that, that you didn't know too much about to go off against you, but Skylar Mays has done a really, really good job of identifying his role, and suddenly he's one of those players that can secretly provide you with enough of a fantasy boost that can be the difference in winning or losing your work or your week. He should be starting uh, for a decent period of time with the injuries. He's a great value for fantasy teams, at least until Malcolm Brogdon returns. That's why Josh Lloyd likes him so much is the increased opportunity means increased volume, and we saw Skylar Mays, what he can do when he gets the shots. He torched Sacramento uh, in the Golden One Center a couple of weeks ago. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. That's called security right there. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you look at Harrison's numbers, I think what's what jumps off the page immediately is that everything is just all over the place. You said the consistency, there really is none. I mean, he had 16 points last night, obviously in a blowout loss. Now, to be fair, it's not like those were garbage time points. He actually was one of the few players that was, was scoring pretty well uh, in the first half of this game. Had a good night shooting from three-point range, went three of six from deep. The 16 points is the most he scored since he went off for 33 in the season opener in Utah. Other than that, like he had 12 points against Dallas, then seven points against San Antonio, 13 against LA, four against Cleveland, four against OKC, 12 against Portland, three against Houston. Like it's just up and down and up and down and up and down. And then you, I don't know how, how big of a deal you make into that versus the rebounding numbers, for example, which is four last night, four against Dallas, two against San Antonio, one against LA, five against Cleveland. There's just, it's it's all over the place. He had a game where he had zero in 22 minutes against Houston, just one against Golden State uh, in, in 31 minutes. So what I was asking for Harrison Barnes is the expectation was the shot attempts and the scoring opportunities are going to go down, but that doesn't mean that his rebounding uh, can't improve. That doesn't mean that his assists can't improve. He has to make impacts on the game in other ways uh, than than just scoring. If he's really going to be a passive role, and you and, and you see 
how Kevin Herter has improved as a rebounder. You see how Keegan Murray has improved as a rebounder. And it's like, why can't Harrison do that? What is Harrison doing wrong that those, he's just not getting those numbers? And I know he's never really been like a fantasy type player who's going to fill up a stat sheet for you. He's really never been that at any point during his career. But when I look at these box scores, it's like I don't know what to focus on because everything is just so discombobulated. The thing I would say about Harrison's rebounding, and I'm with you, it, it probably could be better, but the Kings are second in the NBA in defensive rebound rate. Um, so, you know, Demonis Sabonis swallows up a lot of those rebounds. And sure. and the Kings as a team are, are doing pretty well, at least when it comes to defensive rebounds. I'm looking at their offensive rebounding rate right now. Um, they're down to 20th. And, you know, they're only, they're only at 26.7%. Um, an offensive rebounding rate, and maybe that's an area where where he can improve. The, the rebounding, to me, um, just given the Kings' overall rebounding numbers, is is not as big of a deal. Um, but you would, I mean, rebounding to me coincides with defense, right? And and that's the thing to me. Like if Harrison Barnes is not providing you steady scoring, then you need him to be providing you steady defense and and perhaps plus defense if he's going to have these games where he's scoring four points, four points, seven points, four points. You know, like he needs to be a plus defender. And I don't know that he's any better than an average defender. And and maybe that would, if he were better at rebounding, that would mask some of those issues. Um, but I think when it comes to just his pure rebounding numbers, I think the Kings are are mostly fine there on the defensive side. They but they could use some more crashing of the glass offensively, and and obviously that would lead to more spray threes, which Mike Brown loves. And um, and given their shooters, that's um, that's definitely something that that could benefit the offense. But no, if he's going to play three and four, um, he he probably should be crashing the glass offensively better, um, and that and that would definitely help. Again, it, it just seems like such a passive role that he has and it's that's almost what's required from somebody in these Kings lineups which is the amount of shooters and ball uh, not necessarily ball handlers but guys that obviously need the ball in their hands at times to to be effective again there's only one basketball and there's only so many shots to go around and if you have no problem with Fox taking 20 of them a night Sabonis taking 10 to 15 a night plus Keegan or Kevin or whoever has the hot hand that evening Malik Monk when he comes in like it's almost like you need someone who is willing to play the role or have the role that Harrison Barnes has, which is why I question, okay, if you go and look for an upgrade for HB, which I think is a, a legitimate question, and Monty's going to keep his eye open, period. You think of the most upgradable areas of the Kings roster outside of like rotational help, which is, mate, hey, go out and get an Alex Caruso. Okay, that's someone who's going to come in, play spot minutes, and probably help you defensively, but we're <clears> not talking about a major upgrade in that, in that case. If you're looking at an OG, a Pascal, uh, a Paul George, who some people think is going to be available. You're talking about a massive player to come in and, and become a major part of what you're doing here. Then somebody's going to be on the outs. Is that Kevin Herter? Is that Keegan Murray even? like I just don't know if Sacramento can find an upgrade that doesn't throw everything off. It almost seems like they need someone who does what HB does, which is be out there, be enough of a presence that defenses have to respect you, but understand that your role is to kind of be hands-off and open up things for everybody else. It's a really unique thing that the Kings are kind of not just asking HB to do, but they require him to do in order for their offense to work. 
I'm going to do something that might upset a lot of Kings fans. Um, but I will point out that I think this is the exact reason why the Kings were so interested in Draymond Green in the offseason. Mm. Because I think in that spot, the Kings ha- already have so much offensively in terms of shot creation and outside shooting that a secondary playmaker um, and a defender might better serve this team overall. Somebody who can guard fives, um, somebody who can give you a little bit of size defensively. Maybe not, you know, Draymond Green is not a big guy, but he can guard centers capably, right? Um, and he can be a connecting piece in your offense. He can run the break. He can do all of those things. I think when it comes to potentially the trade market and looking at Harrison Barnes, that might be why OG Ananobi, I think, makes more sense to me than Pascal Siakam because Ananobi's not not somebody who you're going to necessarily run your offense through and, and utilize really as a scoring threat. I think, you know, I think he would be a better slasher and provide maybe more of a vertical lob threat and somebody who can work well off to Manus Sabonis in that way. Um, and defensively, I mean, you're, he's a top, he's a NBA all defensive team type talent and he can probably guard one through five. And so if you're getting scoring from De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis and Keegan Murray, and then you have a, a guy playing the four who can capably switch on the guards and can also guard bigs. And, you know, if you get matched up with the Pelicans in a playoff series, you'd feel a lot better with OG Ananobi guarding uh, Zion Williamson than, or even Brandon, Brandon Ingram than you would with anybody currently on the roster. So to me, like when, when you're talking about replacing Harrison Barnes with somebody on the trade market, I do think it's somebody who's more of a plus defender more of um, maybe a, a secondary playmaker on offense and, and an overall connector, um, a slasher, than another like perimeter guy who can who can knock down threes. I think obviously more threes would help, but you know when you look at the way the Kings are going to get defended in the playoffs, I would imagine teams are going to sag off to Monta Sabonis. They're going to play the gaps. They're going to try to prevent cutters from getting into the lane and, and force Sabonis to consider taking those 18 foot jump shots, which the Warriors did. And, and it was a, it was a big reason why they won that series. So, um, you know, if, but, but on the other side, like Sabonis is constantly when it's a team like the Warriors or another team with, with any elite guard play, they're going to attack Sabonis and pick and rolls relentlessly. And at least if you get, if you had somebody like OG Ananobi you could fortify your defense a lot and mask some of Demonis Sabonis' defensive shortcomings um, in a way that you simply can't with the way the roster is constructed right now. So would Toronto be interested in a package that included Kevin Herter and Colby Jones and, uh, you know, Davion Mitchell and draft picks? Like, does that, you know, are, are you, if you're, if you're, Masai Ujiri, are you looking at that deal and saying, actually, I'm just getting, I'm just getting like, you know, four or five nickels for my quarter here. Right. Like, I I don't know. Like, I I just, I just wonder, I just wonder if the Kings have an enticing trade package that they could send to a team like Toronto for somebody like OG and Anobi that doesn't include Keegan Murray or or even Demonis Sabonis. Um, and so that's, that I think is, is the biggest question. Can the Kings swing a deal like that? Like to your point without completely uprooting what they already have. And I think that's, 
you know, that might be a difficult needle to thread, but I think Monty McNair is is smart and creative and, and could potentially figure something out. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So find a team that you want to ride with, or maybe a, a heavy uh, favorite in a game, and take that bet. Because if you win, you're getting 150 bucks in bonus bets if that team does win. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because of deals like that. You can use that $150 worth of bonus bets to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Hey, maybe even use it to bet on De'Aaron Fox to win the MVP. On FanDuel right now, he is plus 5,000 to win the MVP award uh, that is behind guys like Anthony Davis, Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, and of course, Kevin Durant, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Steph Curry, Giannis, and more, but plus 5,000 for De'Aaron Fox. There's not, that's not a bad way to, uh, uh, to, to, to spend that $150. Look, if that wins $150 turns into 7,000 and five, hundred dollars if Fox can win MVP and the way he's been playing I think he actually does have a legitimate shot assuming he keeps rolling the way he is he keeps shooting the way he is and the Sacramento Kings uh, are in the running for top of the Western Conference like I believe they can be that's just an example of some of the many ways that you can uh, you can play FanDuel and enjoy FanDuel visit FanDuel.com slash locked on kick off the NFL season and tip off the NBA season the right day with FanDuel official partner of the NFL Harrison's deal with Sacramento is a three-year deal. Obviously, he's in year one. My gut feeling, Chris, is the likelihood of him seeing out the entire contract here in Sacramento is pretty low. Like I, I just and I, I had that feeling the day that the Kings signed him. Even if I I was not I was a fan of the Kings bringing him back. I like HB. I think HB provides a lot for Sacramento. Uh, I think he's well-liked and well-respected here in the locker room, but ultimately the Kings are trying to get from good to great and being well-liked is fine, but the results on the floor are, are ultimately what matters. And everybody, I think it's pretty general consensus that if Sacramento is going to make an upgrade, if Sacramento is going to look to make that big swing, it's moving HB or Kevin Herter, but more than likely, in, in my opinion, HB at this point in time. If you were to put a percentage on it, or I don't even know, or just, I guess, discuss the, the likelihood of Harrison seeing that contract through. How likely in your mind is it, number one? And number two is like, what has to happen for HB, for the Kings to have HB in Sacramento throughout that entire time? Like he has to be providing something significant if Sacramento is going to have him here for three years, because assuming they're going to be contenders over those three years. Yeah, I mean, if if they don't move him at the trade deadline, and I would say that's, I mean, at this point, you know, I, I would just be guessing, but I would say that's a coin flip, whether or not they move him at the trade deadline this year. Um, for him to stick around with Sacramento beyond this year, if he still is on the team, um, I think he needs to play well in the playoffs. He needs to do things like hit that, hit that three-pointer at the end of game four against Golden State, right? He needs to do things like be a plus defender, um, not be passive, not be uh, sort of this in and out guy when it comes to his offensive production in, in key moments. I think he needs to be additive instead of just some guy, some somebody who's just sort of there while Demonis Sabonis and and De'Aaron Fox and, and Keegan Murray are, are, and Malik Monk are, are doing a lot of the heavy lifting offensively. 
Um, and if he's not playing great offensively, then he needs to be a plus defender. And I don't know that at this point in his career, he really isn't. You know, he, you notice he's wearing that little knee brace, that little thing on his knee. Um, he's played in, I think, 153 straight games. His, his current games played streak is the third longest in the league. I do think that means something to him. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if like, you know, maybe he could benefit from taking some time off. And if there is a knee issue there uh, that he could, you know, benefit from from resting that up and getting that closer to 100 percent then you know rather than trying to extend this game's played streak um but again that's just me speculating i don't i don't know the significance of of whatever he may or may not be dealing with 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 his knee but again like if the kings went to the playoffs with harrison barnes this year and he basically repeated what happened in the first round of the warriors series then i don't i don't know that there's a scenario where you can where you can credibly bring him back and say yeah we're going to take the next step from western like good playoff western conference team to um, a team that is going to is going to push the you know the Denver Nuggets for you know the western conference finals or to get to the western conference finals or even you know to get to the NBA finals like i think De'Aaron Fox we haven't talked about him like if if his three point shooting is real He's a first team all NBA type guy. Like yep. if he's going to hit 40% of his threes and play with the effort that he's playing defensively, um, then he is legitimately like one of the best players in the NBA. I, I really believe that. I've been really impressed with with the way he's played since coming back from, from the ankle injury and even in the couple games before that. Um, so I think De'Aaron Fox's ascension is lifting the ceiling on this Kings team, which puts a lot of pressure on the, on the supporting cast. Hmm. And when you look at weaknesses of the supporting cast, I think Harrison Barnes is probably the first guy you have to look at because, you know, with whatever whatever shortcomings Kevin Herter has defensively, at least he 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 can offset it with his with his scoring, with his shooting, right? And with his playmaking and and his ability to work with Demonis Sabonis in the triple handoff game. Harrison Barnes doesn't really give you that right now. So that that to me is going to be, you know, really important because for the Kings to contend in the Western Conference, that seems a lot better than it was last year. They're going to have to get more from from that Harrison Barnes spot. And uh, and I just don't see a way that um, he's with the Kings through the duration of this contract unless he improves his play dramatically. And at, you know, guys who are in their 30s, that, that's not really how this goes generally. We don't see a whole lot of 30-year-old guys get better, particularly with all the mileage that Harrison Barnes has. So um, I, I would say overall, I think it's unlikely that he sees the 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 full three years of that contract. I'm not ruling it out entirely, but I think if you're the Kings and you're trying to take that next step and improve from a personnel perspective, I think that was one of the things with that deal. $18 million a year for Harrison Barnes at this point in his career is probably palatable in a trade. And, and that to me, was one of the best parts about signing him to that deal is it's not an immovable contract. The, the contract also does include a 10% trade bonus. So maybe when they signed the contract sure. too, they knew kind of what they were getting into and, and HB wanted to add a little extra security in that sense or some incentive on that sense if he does get moved. I just yeah. wonder, Chris, as much as I like HB and want it to work, I, I just wonder if the writing is on the wall with the fact that he's 31 now. I mean, you kind of know what HB is, whether it's in the playoffs or during the regular season, it's what he's been consistently throughout his career. 
And I know it's early in the season. Maybe he can figure things out. And more importantly, maybe the Kings and Mike Brown can kind of figure out more how to implement him a little bit better or, or use him a little bit better or maximize him. I'm not putting that past this coaching staff to figure something out because they've been so good with other players. I just wonder if the writing is on the wall of this is who Harrison Barnes is and to expect him to be not just any different, but significantly different in, in a playoff type setting or in a gotta have it type setting, like a, not just the opening round of the playoffs, but say the Western conference finals, which is what the Kings ultimately have to get to. If they want to make the NBA finals, then they get to the NBA finals and need number 40 to step up in order for them to actually win it all. Like, I think the writing just might be on the wall with this is who HB is. It's good enough to be good, but not get you to that great, which I don't know if that's unfair to put all of that on the fifth guy in your starting lineup, but this is a results league. And like you said, the wing position that he plays is arguably the most important in the league, but that's where you see so many difference makers on that biggest stage come from that position. And even De'Aaron Fox playing out of his mind and an improved DeMontis Sabonis might not be enough to make up for what 40 consistently or inconsistently does on the big stage. Yeah. And, and look, the Kings, the, the Kings said it at media day, their goal is to win a championship, right? Like that, that is their goal to be the best team in the NBA and to win a championship. It's not about being a feel good story anymore for them. They feel like with De'Aaron Fox's ascension, with Demonis Sabonis as a secondary player, um, with Keegan Murray's potential rise, that they can get to a level where they're competing with the Nuggets, with the Celtics, um, you know, with the best teams in the league. And you look at the wings that they would have to beat to get there. You know, if say the Kings did make the NBA Finals, do you feel great with Harrison Barnes guarding um, Jason Tatum or or uh, or Brown? Like, do you do you feel great about? about matching up with Giannis? Do you feel great even about, you know, matching up with Zion? Like it's, it's just the goal for the Kings is, is the highest goal you can have in the league, which, which means what you have to achieve is incredibly difficult. And yeah, Harrison Barnes can be a nice player for you. If all you, if all you want to do is just make the playoffs every year and give yourself a shot to win a series or two. But if you're competitive, which the Kings are, um, and you have desire to bring a championship to Sacramento, then you have to aim really high. And aiming really high might mean moving off somebody from Her like Harrison Barnes and, and finding an upgrade. And it's just, it's a cold, hard truth of the league. And it's, you know, it's the same way. Um, again, I know Kings fans hate hearing about the Warriors, but it's the same way when it came to the Warriors moving off David Lee and, you know, allowing Draymond Green more of a role to flourish with with just playing a different style of ball right like it's you know there there are examples all throughout the league of teams just like no we're, we're gonna go this way and and get this guy because it lifts their ceiling and right now i i frankly just when you look at all the you know if if the kings had to play the clippers in in the playoffs right do you feel great about harrison barnes matching up with Kawhi leonard and paul george like i don't personally right like it's and again it's nothing against him it's just it's such an important position that you need to either, if you're not going to score, you need to play elite defense. And if you're not going to play elite defense, you need to at least be able to score. And I don't know that you're necessarily getting either of those things from Harrison Barnes at a high enough level to feel comfortable. Like we can take down these teams that we need to take down in the seven game series in the playoffs. And I, and I think that was, that was evident last year against the Warriors. And, and I think the Kings are cognizant of that, which is why they didn't completely break the bank for Harrison Barnes. And they signed him to a contract that they could potentially move off of. 
I think it's just such a weird spot, Chris. Just the the idea of upgrading Harrison seems simple on paper, but it's finding the upgrade that fits with what you do. And I think one of the major reasons why the Kings brought Harrison back in the first place beyond the money was, I think, twofold. Number one, and I hope Monty recognizes this, Sacramento has historically really struggled to fill that position, even when they were good. Like that, that just that wing, the wing position, that three, four position has always been difficult for Sacramento to fill consistently. So that's number one. Number two is Harrison knows this system. He knows Mike Brown. He kind of knows what's needed from his position and he's willing to do it, even if he doesn't do it as well as the Kings need him to do it. Right. And Mm -hmm. finding an upgrade at that position is difficult enough because everybody wants to upgrade that position. But finding an upgrade that doesn't require you to change what you do or require other players to take steps back, I think it's just going to be a big challenge for Sacramento. But that's what Monty's job is, right? That's what this front office's job is, to, is to find those upgrades and and, and, and not try and shove a, a round peg into a square hole, but, but figure it out. So I think they have their work cut out for them. It's great that the Sacramento yeah. Kings are in that position to to be mm-hmm. able to to make an upgrade like that. But I don't I don't necessarily envy Harrison in this process, and I don't necessarily en- envy the Kings front office in this process too, because that's that might be a tough ask more than we realize. Yeah, and and I think one more point that that needs to be made is you know I think is it fair to say Malik Monk was was the Kings second best player in the playoffs last year? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. He's facing free agency, right? So, you know, like Malik Monk needs needed to be on the floor in the playoffs because Mm -hmm. he was the only other guy who could play make outside of De'Aaron Fox um, in the playoffs against the Warriors. And Malik Monk, I think, is a guy that is going to be pretty expensive, frankly, in the offseason upcoming with his upcoming free agency. And if you know, like maybe in, in order to make it work financially, you have to move off Harrison Barnes too. Like maybe, you know, that Malik Monk's free agency, I think might be um, one of the most interesting pending questions facing the Kings going forward, because I, I think what he brings them is super, super valuable um, because they don't have a whole lot of secondary playmaking, particularly off the bench, right? Like they, Malik Monk is a huge part of their offense. Um, and, and, you know, with, with the way the Kings are sort of trying to figure out their backup point guard position and with how effective Malik Monk is and pick and roll and working with Demonis Sabonis, I think that, you know, like he's bringing him back would be imperative and, and he might be somebody who's going to get 20, $25 million a year. Like, I don't think that would be crazy. Um, and I think his free agency is going to be one of the most fascinating in all of the league because he could either get cashed out by a bad team or a contending team could say, hey, here's a little bit more money than maybe the Kings are willing to offer, right? So if you're the Kings, I think you have to look hard. I think Malik Monk is just frankly way more valuable to the Kings than Harrison Barnes right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the decision comes down to opening up space, then I think Harrison Barnes is $18 million is probably what you need to move off of to make Malik Monk Malik Monk's money work if you're able to bring him back. So that's even aside from just upgrading the Harrison Barnes spot, you also have to factor in what the Kings might have to pay to bring back Malik Monk, who was, 
you know, I think their second best player in the playoffs last year. That's why I think we also have to keep an eye on Kevin Herter and his situation too. Cause number one, yeah. Kevin Herter couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat against the Warriors in the playoffs. And if he's a little bit better, Sacramento maybe wins that playoff series. And if he's playing in the playoffs, the way he's playing right now, which is not just hitting threes, but also crashing the glass and engaged on defense, Sacramento might have something there, but if you yeah. go out and if you trade Harrison Barnes for an OG, if you trade Harrison Barnes for an improvement at that position, it's likely more expensive, which means you're not going to let that guy go to re-sign Malik Monk. So maybe it's Kevin Herter now that we're asking questions about. This is a conversation, Chris, that's going to be ongoing over the course of this season, especially as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. This is going to heat up more and more, which means this is not the last time that we're mm -hmm. going to discuss it. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time, my man. Uh, of course. Enjoy New Orleans as much as you can. Uh, hopefully Wednesday's game goes better and then safe trip home, of course. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll rehash this later on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family and uh, all the listeners out there. And uh, thanks again for having me on, man. Big thank you to Chris for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Now we want to hear from you. Like I said, Harrison Barnes' situation for the Kings may be a little more complex than we realize. What are you thinking about Harrison? Hold on to him. Do you look to move him? What do you want to see from Harrison statistically consistently in order for him to hold down that spot? Let's start the conversation. You can do so in the comment section down below. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, hop over to Twitter uh, at Matt George Sack on Twitter or X, I guess, as it's called now. And you feel free to have the conversation there. And of course, if you just want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me and discuss it with me, you can email me at any time, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings. We'll be doing a post-game podcast, hopefully after a better showing from Sacramento against the Pelicans. But of course, a lot of that depends on how healthy the Kings are. Uh, if we get any kind of updates or anything significant on Keegan Murray and his lower back or Chris Duarte or any of the guys that are banged up and dealing with injuries, I'll, of course, provide those for you. So keep an eye out for that as well. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.